Well, good morning again. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to take them and turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Let's read God's Word together. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, as we pause this morning now to come before you and to come to your word, we would ask that you would be at work. First, plowing our hearts and planting the seeds, and then, Father, causing those seeds to take root and to produce a bountiful harvest. We thank you for our church. We thank you for our history short as it is. Father, we thank you for the leaders that you've given to us over these last 18 plus years. And Father, we would pray for our future. Father, only you know what you have in store for us, but we would plan and we would pray and we would ask for your blessing upon us. And Father, we would give ourselves to the calling that Christ called us to on that hill, on that mountain, so many years ago. And Father, as we do so, we ask that you would bless our efforts, you would cause them to multiply, and that it would all be for your glory and for the good of your people. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, um, we finished the book of Acts. We had uh, Marion preached uh, this past week, and next week we will be uh, going to heaven. So we're going to take one week, and what I want us to do this morning is to do a little recalibration. We typically run on this uh, September to May, a little bit of that uh, kind of that school year calendar, And so I want us to do this morning is recalibrate a little and to think about who we are, where we're at, and where we're going. And and so I titled the sermon, The Future of LOPC, because what I want us to think about is what, what are we all about as a church? What are we doing? And, um, and I want us to think about that this morning and, um, and to, and to lay before you really um, a new statement of purpose and vision that the session has been working on for the last six, seven months. Um, 
It isn't, you're not going to find it just, uh, it's not going to blow your socks off, but it will set that direction for us. And, um, and it's something that we will continually be calling ourselves back to and, and asking ourselves, is this meet our purpose, who we are and what we're doing and where we're going? So this past week, um, I took a, I took a trip and, um, and as I was just reading the passage, I thought it, uh, for me, it was interesting because I was thinking this whole week as I was away, um, thinking about this morning, thinking about the sermon and, and where we're at. And, and I just happened to be on a mountain, uh, far, far away. Um, a little bit like the mountain that Jesus called his disciples to was in a sense far away from us. But, um, I went with a couple of guys that I, uh, I've been able, been fortunate enough to be friends with for a long time. And uh, we've tried to do one of these trips every four, five, six years. Uh, in this instance, it's been six years. So I was 44 the last time we did a backpacking trip. And, um, and we went backpacking this time. We went to the Canadian Rockies. So we flew to Calgary and then we drove to Banff. Um, and, um, and then from there we went to uh and we we started at a place called Sunshine Village. There was no sunshine the day we started. There was snow. Um and so we went to Sunshine Village and we began our, our backpack to a place called Mount Assiniboine. Um it's a place that is uh <clears throat> I now know why very few people have made it to Mount Assiniboine. Um all of our preparation, we, we started plotting six, seven months ago. We read trail guides. We, um, we, we were looking at a number of different places, and this one was the one that just kind of materialized. And it materialized because I was reading um, some trail guides, apparently from expert backpackers, and they were all saying the trail starts out and it has a gradual descent and it's very... and, and I read all, I read a number of these and I thought either once we got on trail I thought either I've changed radically in the last 6 years or these people weren't hiking the same trail we're on um, because we plotted we planned we set our course Mount Assiniboine was was the location that we were going to to hike to um, roughly 26 miles to get there and uh and then to to get out and um and there are about four different ways to approach the trail, so we had to decide to ourselves which of the we know the location right we're going to a mount Assiniboine. which route do we want to take um, how do we want to what is what is the best way for us knowing who we are and how uh, you know, how we're built and that sort of thing. What is the best way for us to get there? And so we did all of that plotting, and then we began hiking. And I just tell you, it was difficult. It was the most difficult backpack I've ever done. I can only guess it's because I'm older. Does that happen? I think, I think that's probably my best guess. I'm older. The trail was much more difficult than I remember six years ago. Uh, my pack was heavier, the water was scarcer, the hills were steeper, uh, the trail was windier. Uh, everything about it seemed more challenging, and yet the goal was there, and it was more fulfilling. Um, and, 
And we're in a little bit of that place. We know where we're going. The Lord has called us to make disciples. We're choosing our trail. How are we going to go about doing that? We are we're thinking about that. We're going to talk about some of that this morning. But over the past couple of months, what uh, what your elders did is we finally uh, coalesced uh, around a purpose and vision statement. And that statement goes something like this. Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ who love their families, their neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ who love their families, who love their neighbors, and who love the world for the glory of God. Again, I told you, probably not going to blow your socks off, but for us, a recalibration, a refocus for us to spend some time these past months thinking, who are we as a church? What has God called us to do and be? Because listen, there are a million things we could do and be, okay? A million. There are no shortage of YouTube videos, no shortage of emails coming into my email box, no shortage of, of notes and nudges at the door, and uh, visits from people in my office. No shortage of books on the shelf about things we should be doing. And we have to ask ourselves, what can we do? What should we do? What will we do? All of those, many of those things are good. When we sat down and looked at the trail... And, and we were deciding which trail. There were a bazillion side trails. Oh, go see this beautiful lake, Marvel Lake. It's an amazing view. Go, go to this. There's, there's this big giant rock hill and there's multiple rock hills and there, you know, it's a, it's been pushed up from the lava bed and you can go see that and you can, there were a million side trails. If we would have done all of those side trails, we would have never made it to Mount Assiniboine. We barely made it to Mount Assiniboine to begin with. We would have never made it had we taken all of those side routes. And for us as a church, there are many things we can be doing. But what should we be doing? What is going to bring the most glory to God and be the most good for us as a church? And we believe that it is making disciples. When you hear that statement, right? Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ who love their neighbors, their families, and the world to the glory of God. I hope what you're hearing is you're hearing some scriptural references in there because that's really what we did as we... We tried to boil down what we believe to be kind of the essence of God's calling on our lives individually and corporately as a church. And so I want to talk kind of through those, and and I want to do it by talking about our calling, our location, and our method. Our calling, our location, and our method. Our calling, let's start there. 
Our calling is really the same as every other calling that's been placed on the, on the church since Christ. Our calling is to make disciples. And Jesus told his disciples, his apostles, to go out and to make disciples. So we really want to ask the question, what is a disciple? Now, how many of y'all have been asked that question in the last eight months? A few of you. A few of you are raising your hands, and, and I think I know why you were probably asked that question. Somebody was motivated, pushed, nudged on to go and ask some of those questions. And so that's why some of you got asked that question, what is a disciple? Let me ask you, and maybe just think to yourself quickly, what is a disciple? How would you answer that question? It's really critical. And the way that a lot of people answer that question is, a disciple is a radical, sold-out follower of Jesus. That's the typical, that's the typical response that you get when you ask the question, what is a disciple? It's like a, like a super Christian. What does the Bible say about a disciple? Three things. First, and probably foremost, a disciple is a student of Jesus. A follower of Jesus. It's not a special category, not a special person, not especially gifted in any way. Every person who follows Christ is termed a disciple in Scripture. So that's what a disciple is in this instance. One who follows Christ. A student of Christ's teaching. So if you were to go to Luke chapter 10, you'll see, and we're going to reference that in all three of these points, but at the very end of Luke chapter 10, there's, there's the story of Mary and Martha. And in that story, as those ladies uh, battled kind of back and forth, Jesus identifies, listen, you have chosen correctly to sit at my feet and to learn. That's what a follower of Jesus does. They're students of Jesus' teaching. They're learning from Him. They're following Him. Uh, they're, they're chasing Him, if you will. Um, and so, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is a student of Jesus. The second thing is, a disciple of Jesus is a person who puts their allegiance to Jesus first in their life. A disciple is one who has allegiance to Christ preeminent, first, over all things. Um, they're not, they're nothing else before they're that. And the third thing is, um, a disciple is a person who has a mission. They're a man or they're a woman in mission. And and uh, they see themselves as one who is being sent into the world. So a disciple is one who follows the teachings of Jesus, 
who is committed to Christ first and foremost in their life. So their identification in terms of a philosophy of life would be that they follow Christ. And the third part is that they're a a person who sees themselves and understands themselves as a person on a mission. In Luke chapter 10, um, uh, we we have uh, the example of, uh, of the beginning of that chapter of Jesus sending out the 70. And he's sending them on a mission. They are, they are going out into the world. They're taking the, the word and they're taking it to people. At the same time, we're also told that they're people of deed, right? And so the middle section of chapter 10 of Luke is the story of the Good Samaritan. And so if you take all three of those, they really encompass what a disciple is. A disciple is one who sits at the feet of Jesus. They learn his teaching. A disciple um, is one who understands that they are first and foremost Christ. They belong to him. And, um, and then they're someone who is sent out into the world They have this job that they they do. They love the world. They love the people of the world and everything that goes on. And so both word and deed come together in that person's life. The second part, so that's what a disciple is. The second part of that is that we are to make disciples. That sounds a little confusing, especially to the Reformed ear. And I'll tell you, it's something that we had a fair amount of discussion about, um, the, the elders had around the table. Make disciples. It, it, it sounds, um, so when we say Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists to make disciples, um, make, equip, and deploy disciples, it it almost sounds a little arrogant. But then we go back to the, uh, to the passage in Matthew 28, and what does Jesus say? He says, go into the world and make disciples. And so we equated that make partially with um, the sharing of the gospel with people. And, and, and they are remade after the image of Christ. They come to faith in him. We have really nothing to do with that other than we're active in the process of sharing the gospel. So we don't make disciples in the technical sense of we don't transform their hearts, but we make disciples in the sense that we share the gospel with the world around us. The second way in which we make disciples and the way in which it's it's, uh, most properly understood in the passage out of Matthew chapter 18 is we make disciples by teaching and training people, by growing them in Christ. And so that is the way in which, if you think of it most properly, that's the way in which the church makes disciples. We teach them, we train them, we show them, uh, we live that out um, before them. So if you look at it, uh, if you look at a passage such as um, Mark chapter 1, um, in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, this is where Jesus is calling some of his first disciples. And listen to the way he does it. He says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you 
fishers of men. I will make you out to fish for people. And it says at once they left their nets and they followed him. So you see that supremacy, right? They had this job. Jesus calls them to follow him. Um, he becomes supreme in their life. But he tells them, listen, come follow me and I will... I will reorient you to the world. I will send you out into the world. I will make you fishers of men. Typically, and unfortunately, we kind of made that into, you know, that's good for Sunday school kids. Okay, so we, you know, when we have the, uh, we have the fall festival, we put a, we put a little, we put a little swimming pool over here and we give them a fishing pole and, uh, and they, they fish. Okay, and we talk about your fishers of men and how cute that is. Jesus gave that charge to his first disciples. He called them to himself and then he said, come and follow me and I am going to make you into men who fish for men. Men who fish for men. That's a disciple. That is... That's what we're called to do and to be. Men and women who fish for men and women. Who are thinking about other people in the world around us. Loving them. Caring for them. Nurturing them. Going after them. Sharing with them. Just just generally being good neighbors to them. Such that we would love them to Christ. That is that second aspect of our calling. And, and, and that's, that's what's meant when Jesus says baptizing them, right? Bringing them into the church. Making them a part of the, the, the body of Christ. The third part is teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Teaching them to love God and to love their neighbor. Teaching them about Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, listen. You are to go, you are to go and you are to make disciples, and you are to baptize them, bring them into the church, and you are to teach them about me, teach them about my Father, teach them about my ways. And if, and if you've been converted, and if you've had a conversion in your life, you know there was this reorientation that kind of took place in your life where you, you didn't think about yourself, yourself, and the world in which you live the same way anymore. If you've grown up in the church, hey, so you had a conversion at a young age, perhaps it's just kind of the way you see the world now. And so that may be a little bit more of a challenge for you to understand that that conversion process that takes place in a person's heart as they come into the church is a reorientation about everything in life that they go through. And that's what we're here to do. That's our calling. Our calling is to take the gospel to the world. It's to be fishers of men. It's to baptize them. It's to bring them into the local church. To make to integrate them into a part of our body. And then to teach them and to train them to... Help them understand this worldview that is so radically different. It's not a, uh, it's not an us versus the world worldview. It's a love your neighbor and love the Lord your God 
worldview, which is so radically different. This different kingdom ethic. And then, once a person has come into the church, so they've been baptized and now they've been taught, they're expected to come to church every Sunday and Sunday school and fellowship group and just soak it up for the rest of their lives. Yes, but no. As a disciple, right, what now happens? That life cycle takes over. And they, they become one who becomes a fisher of men. And that's what we want to see. That, that duplication in our lives, that, that orientation out to the world where we're thinking about that as a church. Thinking about the world that we're living in, the, the neighbors that we have, the community that we live in, the schools that are nearby us. And, and, and that leads me into our location. Where do we do this? Where do we do all this disciple-making stuff at? Well, we do it here. And by here, I mean we do it in the lake area. The God has strategically planted us um, through, through the vision of other folks that has come to fruition, and, and here we are. And we're right here, just inside Putnam County, with Green County on the other side and Putnam County, and then I think there's another one. What is it Morgan? Morgan County. And really, if you think about it, that's the sphere of our influence. That's, those are probably, most of you live within that geogra- those kind of that geographical area. If you drew a circle around, that's where we live. And, and since that's where we live, that's where we do the bulk of our ministry. It's not the only place because we're loving our neighbors. First, we're loving our families. Then we're loving our neighbors, and then we're loving what? The world. And it's much easier to do that today than it was 2,000 years ago. The world that they were loving was, was a very small slice of the pie, and they radiated out. The world that we can love today is actually accessible. You can be on a plane today, and tomorrow you can be in China. Or via the Internet. Or... We can just go to the east side of Atlanta where there's a missionary who is ministering to Muslim, primarily immigrants, who have families in Egypt and Jordan and Syria and Lebanon and and Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and Uzbekistan and on and on the list goes. And they're all right here in Atlanta. And so that's where we're doing the ministry that God has called us to do. Um, And and we want to occupy that space that we live in. It's not just here at the church. And and this is where our our form of government comes into play. Because our form of government puts together, right? So just think of your your elders, the session. That's what we call our body of elders in the Presbyterian Church. Think of your session. Your session is comprised of... Men from amongst you and your teaching elders. So you're teaching and your ruling elders. Men from your congregation and men that you've called into the church come together and sit down in session together. 
And those are your elders, all right? And they're representatives of you, uh, much the way, I, if you think about our government out in, in the world, we send our representatives off to D.C. You spend, send your representatives into this local gathering that's called the session, They're those elders. And they sit and they pray and they think and they dream and they shepherd and they, they're doing all of these things. But, but it's the congregation. It is, it's from you. It's not just a professional elite. It's not just Marion and I whom you've called in because we've been to seminary and we have a master's degree in theology. And so we know all the right things to do and the buttons to push and, and the, the strategies to make it all happen. Our form of government is a, a bottom-up form of government. And, and what that means is, and, and part of all of that is, that we're all ministers. There's not just the, the professional ministers doing all of the ministry, but it's God's people. And, and this really comes out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And there, Paul says that he has given some to be teachers and preachers and so on in order to equip God's people for works of service. And that's where we all come into play. There isn't this professional clergy who are the spiritual minded and they do all the spiritual work and, um, and we just, you know, put up folding chairs and do this and do that and do the other. No. We're all ministers. You, as you come to faith in Christ, are a minister of the gospel. You're a disciple of Jesus. Empowered, gifted, called by Him to do what? The work of ministry. So many of you are involved in those ways. And and if you haven't found your place or your niche, I pray and I hope and and I want to do whatever I can to encourage you to find that niche. Find that place where you can jump in and be involved and do the work of ministry. Right here in the lake area. And, and, and the reason I talk about location is really what I mean is the location isn't Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. The location is Greene County, Putnam County, Morgan County. If you're in another location, that county. The area. Because you're doing the work of ministry. You're loving your families, your neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. And we don't just do that at church. We do that in life. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking? All right. So what's the third part? The third part is our method. Finally, how are we going to do this? This is very important in our future. How are we going to make disciples? What will be the process? What is a disciple? Disciple is a student, a learner. So, we study. We learn. We're in the Bible. We use the Bible. We preach the Bible. We teach the Bible. We study the Bible. Um, God's Word. Why? Because 
there are the words of life for us. There's, that is where our ethic is found. That is where the gospel story for us comes from. So we want to know it. We want to understand it. We want to understand the purvey of God's history. Where, what has he done and how has he done it? Because when you learn where God has been at work and how God has been at work and what God is doing, that understanding gives you an understanding of how he's working and what he's doing both in life and in the world and in the lake area today. All right? What he has done in the past is what we should expect to see him do in the future. And so we are learners. And so we will, by God's grace, continually and faithfully preach the word. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And so we want to preach the word. So if you're here and you're coming, we're just going to keep preaching the word. That's just what we do. It's a part of our uh, ethic, and it's part of, and the reason that we do it is because we're disciples of Christ. We're learners of Him. And I would just reference you back. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Apostle Paul, and we talked about that passage in 2 Timothy 4, and he's at the very end of his life, and he knows that he's going to die, and, uh, and I mean, it's imminent. You know, it's like the, it's the train coming down the tracks at him. He doesn't know exactly when it's going to happen, but he knows it's going to happen soon. And what does he ask for? Remember? Bring me my books. Bring me the books and bring me the parchments. He asks for his study materials so that he might, what, know more about the world, presumably, and about God. And he wanted to study right up to the very end. And so we're students of God. We're students of the Lord Jesus. And we're committed to teaching at LOPC. The second thing is we want to be focused and intentional about following Christ. That is mentoring. Developing relationships that are reciprocal in nature. nature. You know, I've often talked about this referencing that idea about, right, do you have somebody in your life who is a a sheriff, who you've deputized, right? Somebody who can challenge you and and encourage you. Somebody who you're open with about life and reality and struggles and and all of those things. And so we want to be intentional um, in, in the ways that we do that. And we have, and so what we do is we just try to provide those opportunities. Sunday school, fellowship groups, Bible studies, um, you know, men's groups, women's groups, ways to pull you together, um, concerted discipleship groups, our new life-on-life groups that are starting this fall. Those are the ways in which we want to be intentional about discipleship ministry. And, and the third thing is involving you in ministry. We've had our ministry teams, and, and we want to, con- those teams will continue and are continuing, and, and we want to grow those teams. We want to strengthen those teams. We want, we want you to be freed for ministry. Um, and so the, what is your heartbeat 
Where does that lie? Who, who is it that you want to minister to? How do you want to go about ministering? Are you ready to bring some other people along with you? Are you ready to kind of rally, rally some folks in order to press into the community in this way or that way? And those are things that we're open to. And, um, and, and we can dream up all kinds of ideas, but those ideas are best when they come from you, right? Um, and, and again, we'll try. We'll try to give you uh, opportunities and create opportunities for you to use your gifts. But it doesn't have to happen here. And so many of you are already involved out in the community in a, in a myriad of ways. And it's very exciting to see you all doing that. And I want to encourage that and can encourage you to continue to do all of those things. It doesn't have to originate here. It can, and that's okay. But... However, wherever, whatever, let me encourage you. Use your gifts in ministry. and Find some niche where you can do that out in the community. That sets the course for us. Who are we? Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists. To make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ who love their families, their neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. Be in prayer about that. How you fit into that, where you fit into that, how you can advance that as a member, as a part of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. Let me pray for us. Father, we want to thank you. I want to thank you for the call that you've given to us. Father, when we stop and we look at it, we think about the great commission that Christ gave to us. It seems so very simple. And yet, there are a million things that would occupy our attention. A million different trails that we could take. But what you've set before us is to make disciples. And so, Father, we want to be faithful to that. And I pray for us as a congregation that we will take hold of that and we will learn and we will grow in that together. We will be creative in the ways that we go about doing it. We will be encouraged as it happens. And we will pray for it all. And Holy Spirit, you will come and be at work as we seek to honor you in that endeavor. And we know that by doing it, it will bring glory and honor to your name. And it will be good for us as your children. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.